Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Connor Glassy, I am John Manuel, coming to you live from the DeMarini Demo House podcast nook. Because when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy. There's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free, so get the season started right. Visit your nearest demo house today. Locations and full details can be found at demarini.com backslash demo house. And, of course, you can follow us here at Baseball America, sponsored by our good friends at DeMarini, at our Twitter page, twitter.com backslash baseball America. We've up and running on Facebook, all your social media hoo-ha, although I guess we have eschewed MySpace to this point, uh, Connor. We never quite yeah, got on the MySpace. MySpace is, you know, it's so th- 2009. I think if we had Maybe music, 2008. I think if we had music, we'd uh, we'd be on on MySpace. It seemed yeah. like MySpace was good for music. That's about it. But I think MySpace has fizzled out a little bit. I don't know. I, 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 I don't think it's check my MySpace anymore at all. Oh yeah, see, I had one for about a month, and then I decided, you know, I don't really don't need this, so yeah. I just got off of I got off of that. But you don't hear anyone talk about that too much anymore. But we we are on Twitter. And we have uh, had our Twitter uh, updating since, what, July? Maybe we can reach out to our junior high readers in MySpace. That's right. (laughs) That's what the demographic is for that. Either that or or people who listen to Fox Sports Radio. (laughs) They talk about that a lot. Um, But uh, we are excited that people uh, follow us on Twitter. And uh, we've got got a couple thousand fans in a week, it seemed like, on our Facebook page, which was very nice to see people on Facebook following us. And uh, obviously the podcasts, we're excited about those. And it's a little bit of a lull kind of in the big league season, kind of a calm before the storm, uh, really, Connor. There's not a lot of major league news, but this was a, a stormy couple of weeks at Baseball America, both uh, literally with the uh, weather outside, but also figuratively because it was a very busy uh, time of year for us. As it always, we had a little couple weeks of a breather after the Prospect Handbook, and we got right back into it with a college preview issue. And we actually did our early draft preview. So Connor and I are going to be talking draft in this week's edition of the Baseball America podcast. And uh, Jim Cowles did our overview and our preseason college All-America team. We actually split our early draft preview up, Connor, in college and high school section. And uh, I know you've seen a lot more of the high school player, but I know you've seen a lot of these college guys as well. And yeah. We're, we're already planning out, basically, the first couple of weeks of the season and who we're going to see. Right. Um, and we're lucky there's going to be a lot of uh, – I think we're all excited to see Gauntlet Eldemeyer. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I actually started planning out uh, – Started looking at college schedules when I was back home in Seattle for Christmas break. All right. Uh, started pulling them up, getting excited, you know, and uh, it's right around the corner. And yeah, Gauntlet Eldemeyer is coming to Elon, so I think I'm going to make the trek over there with Elon grad Nathan Rohde. That's right. <laughs> Elon and Ohio to open the season. And again, we're just too lucky. That's the first weekend, right? February 18th. Yeah, it is. Yeah. We've got that. We've got Virginia at East Carolina, which Aaron Fiddle go to. That's our number two team in the country, and a lot of draft prospects on that Virginia sure. team. And East Carolina has some solid prospects, although more good college players. North Carolina with Matt Harvey over the weekend. NC State, which has a lot of guys who have some real uh, healing potential. Uh, Kyle Wilson, for example, their center fielder, that's a 65-70 run type guy. Yep. He hit about 260 last year, but he does have tools. Uh, and then Russell Wilson, their football quarterback, 
has got plenty of tools and is going to play full-time baseball this year. He might even pitch. Um, and you have a lot, a lot of other games going on in the area, so yeah, we're lucky know, to be able to see all that. A few interesting players at Duke, and they're going to be playing some of their games this year at uh, the Durham Bowl Stadium. The Duke app, thank so goodness, because the, the Jack Coombs Stadium is the coldest spot in the entire triangle, so I'm convinced Duke's home <laughs> st- their campus stadium. But we don't have our number one player on our list, as we're going to talk a little bit about college draft players and just the, whole, the kind of the overall draft. I guess, Connor, you really, to talk about the draft, you have to start off with Bryce Harper. You've already done a story on Bryce Harper this year from his first weekend. Yeah. Um, you know, let's, let's just get the – I mean, the, the hype is, is what it is. I mean, there's never been a high school baseball player that I can think of on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated like uh, Bryce Harper was. I can't think of one either. Um, Maybe back in the day they had the t- kid from Texas who won every game. Uh, I think he was on there. But he, even he, they acknowledged he wasn't a big prospect. But this guy's at a different level. Of hype. It is, and uh, you know, it's going to be real hard for him to live up to, and it's going to be uh, interesting for for scouts to see how he handles that adversity. Because let's face it, that's not going to go away. I mean, he's always going to have that spotlight on him. I think he brought it on himself in a lot of ways, that's talking true. talking as brashly as he did to Sports Illustrated. There's no doubt. No, that's that very true. I'm not blaming the kid, but I do think that th- you know, there's a little ha- has to be a realization here in a lot of way in one way. But this guy brought a lot of this attention on himself, and now he's shut it off completely. No media, no anybody. He's not talking to anybody. Not fans. Not t- he's not talking to scouts. He's not talking to anybody. And that doesn't seem like that's you know normal. I think there should be a middle ground. I think you're right. I mean, I think um, you know not going out there and, and saying in every every interview that you want to be the best player to ever live is the smartest thing to do. And then you know on the other side of the spectrum, not talking to anybody is probably not. Uh, the wisest thing to do either. I think there should be a happy medium somewhere. And that's um, that's hard. It's hard to find that happy medium. There's no doubt that's hard to do. It is because everybody wants a piece of his time. Everybody just you know, oh, just a minute, just a minute adds up. And you know, at the end of the day, he's focusing on what he should be focusing on, which is baseball and uh, and and you know, going to class and that sort of thing. But but baseball and. Um, you know, that's fine for now. I don't think he'll last the whole season. I talked to Coach Chambers, and he said that it's just, just for now. You know, after he saw him come in after after the tough summer. And right. He, he, he was like, like he lost 25, lighter. 30 pounds, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, right now he's, he's just focusing on the task at hand, and then he'll, you know, probably pick some of that other stuff up as the year goes on. And in the task at hand, that is playing for College of Southern Nevada, no matter how talented you are, if you're Bryce Harper, you're still 17, mm-hmm. and you have a significant challenge. You're playing at 17 against 19 and 20 year olds, basically. Cause they're all out to get you. I mean, the target's on his back. You know, they're he's the most famous player in the Scenic West Conference, that's for sure, mm-hmm. ever. You know, no doubt. The, you know, those pitchers are getting a little extra amped up when he's at the plate. I, I can guarantee you that. You know, they want to, you know, strike out the wonder kid and, you know, tell their friends about it. But um, It'll be interesting to see how he does. He started out the year, you know, the first weekend he went 3 for 15, got off to a decent start in the first game, went 0 for 8 against the Avapai the second day, uh, watched some video with Coach Chambers, made some adjustments, and hit his first home run on that Sunday. Um, and he does have, I think oh, I thought it was good that you wrote about this, uh, the one thing I did notice over the summer, he does have a big old leg kick. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts there. Yeah, it's a big, it's a high know, big effort twist, swing. a lot of movement in that lower half. Um and that's something that they're working with him on, trying to get him to tone that down, uh, because he doesn't need to do all that. He's got such, 
you know, such good bat speed and strength that he has thunder in his hands. You yeah. can see the strength in the kid's forearms and hands. <clears throat> Just when he swings the bat, you can see on video. You can see when you see him live. He generates his wrists and his forearms are really strong, and that's where he generates his power. He does not need to uncork like that. You know, no, he, he could be a lot quieter in the box. So, yeah. and he also played third base, which I think is fascinating. It that is. This, uh, the the quest the position question. I mean, I think we've written about this for a year and a half or two on Bryce Harper, that it's not a lock. He's going to be a catcher. He might end up being a right fielder. Clearly has arm strength. The bat is what you're – but I guess my overall point, I didn't want to go on a whole big Bryce Harper tangent, but if you're talking about a 2010 draft, you're going to start in with Bryce Harper. Yeah. But um, it's not a lock that he's going to go – that by the time June rolls around, I guess what I'm, I'm curious what you think the chances are that he will be number one on, say, 30 draft boards. What are the chances of that? Thirty percent, twenty-five percent? Is he that? I just don't think he's that far ahead of the class. You know, yeah, that's really tough. It's a, it it is definitely a lot closer, you know, between him and and those next guys than it was between Strasburg and the rest of the group. Um, right now, he still is the number one. You know, I think the he's the number one for sure right now. Is good enough. There are questions with the defense. You know, I I talked to a scout that did like him at catcher. I, I think that's a mixed bag. Yeah. Um, why on earth is he going to play? Why did why did he play third base his first game? And then when Coach Tim Chambers at College Southern Nevada says he's taking ground balls at shortstop, he did take a lot of ground balls at shortstop. If he plays shortstop fall, in a game, what if he? I don't he, think he will, but I think right. you know he he is athletic, uh, and he obviously has arm strength to play on that side of the diamond. The reason he played at third base is because. That team is that team is actually loaded. I mean, Harper's the highlight on that team, but there are a lot of good players on that team. There's a lot of sophomores on that team, and Tim Definitely wanted to good reward his too. guys that were there last year, and so that was a way for him to get Harper in the lineup without DHing him and get all the other guys in the lineup that he wanted to as well. Who's the other catcher on that team? I guess who the other catcher is Ryan Scott. Okay, I thought maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I yeah, remember that so, name. So Harper. So th- third base was kind of a one-time deal for the first game to get some other guys in the lineup that he wanted to on opening day, basically. Kind of. Um, but he'll mostly be playing outfield and catcher, kind of 50-50 to get Ryan Scott in there too. Well, it's going to be fascinating to watch, and there's no player who's going to get more scrutiny this year than Bryce Harper, and that's going to bring added attention, wanted or unwanted, for his teammates. And there are a lot of prospects there: uh, Donnie Roach, a right-hander; yeah. Taylor Hanks, a right-hander. They've Tyler got Hanks, yeah. Tyler Hanks. Sorry, they've got plenty of players with talent. They, they're usually one of the most talented junior college programs in the country anyway. Sure. Um, that is going to bring a lot of attention. Same thing at Chipola, where you've got LeVon Washington and uh, Jake Eliopoulos. Yep. I think uh, looking at the college class in general, uh, Connor, which which positions are the strongest? What, what's the strongest position and what's the weakest position in your mind? Well, I've, got, I've got our position breakdown that you sent me sitting right here. I personally, I guess it's easy to say pitching. There's always going to be depth of pitching, but sure. the, the right-handed starters, I do like the group of college right-handed starters, especially the top. I like Renato, McGuire, Wimmers, uh, uh, to a lesser extent, guys like Kyle Blair, Justin Grimm, uh, Matt Harvey's got a chance. Uh, I wish there were more college starters on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, the West Coast really, especially the Pac-10, pretty down. The West Coast... It has some real volatile guys. It got like a Sammy Solis who's a, a left-hander. Yeah, exactly. Yep. There are very few lefties, and if so, if Sammy Solis is healthy and productive at San Diego this year, that guy's going to go really high because the only mm-hmm. other lefty on the West Coast is Rob Rasmussen, basically. Yeah. We have all the guys at uh, 
at Oregon State. Tanner Robles is another guy at Oregon State who's a volatile guy who's kind of been uh, less than was expected at Oregon State, but he's a left-hander. He has arm strength. Uh, he has flashed plus stuff in the past. Uh, if he has a good year, again, the, the field will stand out because of the paucity of left-handers in this year's draft. And then you have the other other X factor, not on this on the West Coast, but the top college left-handers are clearly Chris Sale at Florida Gulf Coast and Drew Pomeranz at Mississippi. And then the big wild card is James Paxson of Kentucky. What happens with this guy who last year at the middle of the draft, middle of the year, was probably a top 15 pick, but then slid just on merit and the fact that he had chosen Scott Boris Corporation to represent him, and now he has this whole suspension that's not a suspension limbo situation hanging over his head where he's suing his own university to get back active on the baseball team. So he may not have him pitched this spring. So it is a real uh, – there's some big-time wild cards in the college side, I think. Yeah, absolutely. With Paxton, um, if he is not able to, to pitch for Kentucky, would would he? could you see him joining an indie ball team or something like that? I could, especially because he could uh, graduate basically in early May and then uh, still go join a uh, – you know, so he could stay in college and work out with the team, you know, throw on the side, throw bullpens, get seen by scouts that way, but then pitch in some actual games after he finishes class. Cause I, in my mind, if you're back on campus, you may as well go to class. You're, you're there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you made that decision anyway. Uh, if he thought he was going to do I, – I think if he didn't think he had any chance to pitch in college baseball this year, he would have already dropped out of school by now. I mean, why, why go right. to the charade? Right. So, uh, to me, I think the other – actually, the other option he probably should have pursued is transferring to an NAIA school. Uh, uh, that would be something that I think he could have looked at earlier in the semester, but I guess the Boris Corporation or his family or the Kentucky baseball program feels that he has a chance to still pitch some this year, but – it's pretty obvious, I think, that he violated the no-agent rule. Everything that's been written about this case is true, and the NCAA has changed the rules so that they can suspend you for the entire season, not the six games that Jeremy Sowers got slapped on the wrist for in 2001. So I think he's in limbo. I think he's I think he's screwed, and I think he's in a pitch like in the Frontier or Northern Leagues. Just hold uh, a bunch of workouts. Or work out, one or the other. And uh, that's a shame, but that really does make him a wild card. And, you know, he went 35th last year. I would say he went there on merit. I don't think he merited getting drafted any higher. There are other Boris Corporation clients who get popped earlier. Mm-hmm. You don't fall just because you're a Boris Corporation client. There are plenty of teams that draft the players they want to draft and will deal with the Boris Corporation and don't get scared off by them. Sure. There are four or five clubs that just won't draft the Boris guy, period. But that doesn't account for why James Paxson slid all the way to 35. This is a weaker draft class. He'd go higher than 35th if he were at Kentucky and had a good year this year, there's no doubt. But, uh, but I still think that pitching is probably the best – Starting pitching, I do think their guys are going to be big league stars. I think Anthony Renato, Deck McGuire, probably Chris Sale, probably Drew Pomerantz. I think those guys are going to be big league starters. So what yeah. position do you like, or is there one that you yeah, want to focus on that you, you don't know, that, like? That's the strength. Of, you know, still talking about college here, going back to your original question. Yeah, that'd be a strength. The weakness I would say is that if you know if clubs are looking for a big bat, it's tough to find them in this college class. Absolutely. And, and, and also. Uh, the middle infielders look like they're few and far between. College yeah, middle infielders. Than, and More so than most years. I college guess. middle in, This is actually a better year for college outfielders than usual, in my opinion. I actually like the outfielders almost better than the infielders. I have fewer questions about, like, Bryce Brents or Todd Cunningham or Jarrett Parker. Most of those guys I think are going to hit. Mm-hmm. You know, Gary Brown, that's an actual athletic plus-running college outfielder at Cal State Fullerton. Um, so, I, you know, if I'm looking for position players this year, like you said, the infield pickings are going to be slim. 
I like Christian Colon. I don't think he's going to be a big league shortstop, but I think he can be an offensive second baseman. Uh, Jim Callis had a quote in our All America story that actually talked about him as a uh, kind of a Dustin Pedroia type player mm. because the instincts are so good, and I, I kind of like that. He yeah. was a guy that I had some scouts when he came out of high school in '07. I had talked to some scouts at that time who wanted to try him behind the plate. Really? Yeah, because uh, he, he, when he came out, he's kind of a bad body second baseman. He's worked hard to kind of trim down and yeah. move over to shortstop. He's, he, I mean, he, he was a high school shortstop, but he was still stocky. Yeah. You know, he's just sort of a stocky build. He's not a long, lean, athletic-type guy, that's all. Right. But he is athletic. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes people see – I think scouts see a guy with hands like that. His hands just work so well yeah. in the field and at the plate. I remember watching him take infield with you. At so soft. Absolutely. Yeah. He never, he's a guy – and his feet are good. He never gets a bad hop. So, right. um, you know, to me, I'd be a guy that I would draft him and put him in shortstop and let him play shortstop until he proves he can. Let him play off. Yeah. Exactly. But and I think the thing is that this is the guy who got voted best hitter and in our best tool survey and that was not a guy surprising. that's gonna hit for a lot of power. Right. He's gonna make the contact, find the gaps. That and was then his tools play up a little bit because he plays hard all the time. Yeah, absolutely, and the and the instincts and those kind of things. And so that the other weakness I guess one of the weaknesses of the college class and I wanna dovetail this into the high school stuff is the catchers. Uh there are a lot of college catchers to draft this year. Um, you know, a guy like Blake Forsyth is at the back end of this, maybe from the from the big time schools. You got some small schools guys like a Rafael Nada. I say small schools, non BCS schools, yeah. or Cody Stanley or Rob Brantley out at uh, UC Riverside. But uh, out of your big school guys, your your power conference guys, Cameron Rubb, Micah Gibbs, Ismani Grandal, these kind of guys, it's not a lot of people getting excited about those guys. Gibbs was voted on our preseason first team All American. How about on the high school side? It seem, it seem there are a couple of high-end possibilities at catcher, but there's not much depth on the col- on the high school catching side. Yeah, it's, it's like. kind of a mixed bag on the high school side as well. I mean, you've got players like uh, Stephen Sabol, is right. another top-rate catcher, but he's a guy that, you know, another guy that's kind of in the same situation defensively as Harper is that, you know, there are teams that aren't sure if he's going to stick behind the plate or not. He is a good athlete, and so, you know, there's talk that he could move to third base or to the outfield. Um, Justin O'Connor, like he's a real X factor O'Connor's high school guy. Yeah, catchers, he actually isn't he? is a recent conversion. I mean, he's, right. You know, for the beginning of the summer, he was a shortstop and pitcher, but he actually, you know, got All-American votes for us at shortstop, at third base, as a pitcher and as a catcher, which he wow. recently started, you know, trying to do. Um, so, so there is a lot of variance. There's no clear-cut number one catcher that you're sure is going to stay behind the plate in college. Um, there may not, there may not even be really a first round. It's potential right now. You could see a first round go without a catcher. Is that plausible? For high school? Period. Either way. Well, could you see that happen with not, not even a college guy? Well, Paul I, Harper, I, I guess. Think, yeah. I mean, well, yeah. Uh, um, if he's, but I, I'm, I'm almost wondering. We haven't listed a catcher. We're talking about playing third base and outfield already this year, so I'm yeah. wondering if he's even Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing going back to him a little bit is the bats, you know, you, you don't want to delay getting that bat to your big league lineup. Right. You know, it's a special bat. I mean, um, at the same time, at this point last year, we were talking about until the end of the, right the draft, we were talking about Tony Sanchez as a late first round or more likely supplemental to the first part of the second round, and he went fourth overall. So major league clubs clearly value catchers differently, yeah. and uh, they probably should so hard to find them. So. I mean, just, just spitballing a little bit, that'd be a, a fun article to do is talking to teams about how they value catching. It seems like it's the hardest position to, you know, to that's scout. A, that's a good idea. You know, because um, there's so many different elements that go into catching, and a lot of times, you know, you, 
have these high school catchers and you don't see them catching good pitchers until they get in the minor leagues. And then it's like, it's kind of like hitting good pitchers. You know, you really have to look for things when, when you're not seeing them directly. You have to look for other factors that play into that. One of my all-time favorite uh, scouting stories is uh, Jeff Mathis, who's now like a defensive specialist, basically, big league catcher. He was a high school shortstop. The only reason he he caught because no one else on his team could catch uh, Alan Horn, mm. who was a first rounder that year out of high school, didn't sign um, with the Indians. But uh, catching Alan Horn, other teams saw him as a catcher, and he went supplemental first round to the Angels, and has had a you know, he's had a longer big league career than Alan Horn ever had yeah. or yeah. is ever going to have. So just you know, you find catchers in the darndest places. I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. So. Um, that's one thing that that's one thing that sticks out to me in the high school class. Another thing that sticks out to me in the high school classes and the college classes. There's a big strength of this entire draft class. It's hard throwing pitchers. There's some guys who ring up some velocity on the college side, but the high school side really has some not necessarily unprecedented, but they have some pretty big time velocity guys. And the the top of the high school list is really dominated by by hard throwing right handed pitchers. Yeah, Jamison Tyone. I was going to ask you know talk about him kind of compare him to, to Anthony Renato because right now, I mean, they're pretty similar pitchers. You know, they're both Yeah, I think big. I like Jameson Tyone a little bit better to be honest with you. Do you? Yeah, I think I do. Just yeah. a little bit I've seen of him. I seem like Anthony Renato is almost like more uh, he does everything well. There's not a big glaring weakness on Anthony Renato. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jameson Tyone, I think his strengths are a little bit louder than Anthony Renato. It's a little bit upside versus safer bet. That's thing, Renato's yeah. a safer bet thing I like about Renato is he has a fresh arm. He's a New Jersey kid who went to LSU. Played won. basketball. Yeah, he's basketball. At, so I think he is athletic. Yeah. Uh, didn't pitch much as a freshman. Did have a very heavy workload last year, but took the summer off. Um, but I think, relatively speaking, he's a fresh arm. And, uh, and I think that uh, – and obviously the level of competition that he's pitched at is pretty significant. But to me, Houston area baseball is also pretty significant where Jameson Tyon sure is, is pitching yeah. in. and. Uh, I, I would take Tyone. I guess a big debate also in the high schools, like whether you're talking about Tyone, the best high school pitchers versus the best college pitchers, there's a real back and forth between A.J. Cole and Carson Whitson as to who's next behind Jameson Tyone. Right, right. Who do you uh, like we, out of those We've kind of got guys? back and forth all summer. Um, you know, I, I like I like both. I saw them both a lot this summer, and they're they're real close in my book. Uh, the thing with Cole is that he's – he has more projection remaining. He's got that prototypical, projectable body, tall and thin. Right. He's already got the velocity. He's got a curveball. Um, Carson Whitson, what clubs like about him is that he's got you know just as much velocity, um, with a lot of sink on his pitches, and then more advanced breaking ball right now. He throws a slider that's it's real filthy. Right, so. right. And then Dylan Covey is he in that same discussion or is he a half step behind? No, he I, he's he's in that discussion. Um, you know he. Started off slowly this summer. He was resting his arm, but Simon Juber and he was excellent, 92, 95 with a hammer. A um, little bit bigger body, but he's definitely in that discussion with hard throwing right-handers. It seems like Gaff is kind of after him. It kind of, you know, there's other guys like Kevin Gossman is another hard thrower, but a step behind those guys. And then Stetson Alley probably has the best velocity of the group, but right. uh, control is an issue for him. So. It controls an issue for him, and the fact that he can play third base and can hit. He can hit. Is an issue he for is, him. Uh, you know, he that was one of the surprises for me when we when we did our All American bowing is that he got a lot of support at third base, and um, he's a big, strong kid. He has a lot of power, and so you know it's going to be interesting to follow him this spring and see 
you know, find out maybe what he likes to do better or where, you know, clubs come down on him because I think it will be kind of a, a mixed group. The arm is legit, but if you can't throw strikes, it's a problem. For those who don't already know, uh, uh, our scouting, our, our uh, preseason All-America teams are voted on by Major League Scouting Departments, uh, scouting directors and uh, others who, uh, in those departments who uh, go through their scouting reports, basically, and I mean, we get basically two-thirds of the clubs re- reply, and we uh, tally up the votes. And we make a tweak here or there, but um, our All-America teams are really based on who we think the best future big leaguers are going to be, who the best talents are. I'm not necessarily looking at last year's numbers and right. deciding who's going to be there. So I think that definitely makes our uh, preseason All-America teams unique. The college one went up today. We're recording this on uh, Friday, February 5th. And uh, let's before we finish up the podcast, let's take this podcast question Email uh, inbox, the DeMarini Demo House inbox, is podcast at baseballamerica.com. And Bo McDaniel from Denton, Texas, uh, says he's eagerly been waiting for our college stuff to come out and wanted a, a college all-star team, no matter what the classification, uh, to complete the five-man rotation, at, uh, complete with a five-man rotation at a major league, at a closer. Love the college podcast. Look forward to another season with your coverage. So, Bo, thank you very much for the question. And I would just direct you to our preseason All-America team, which is, again, voted on by scouting directors. It's up on BaseballAmerica.com. And the team itself is free if you want the scouting reports that go with it. That's for subscribers only, Bo. But uh, uh, one of the things about that, and that's a future column, is how track record of our all of college outfielders in pro ball is bad. Yeah. That's one thing to notice. Uh, one th- another thing is we have a two-time All-American, Ross Wilson, from, uh, from uh, Alabama. Alabama, their second baseman who's probably not going to be anywhere near the first Two round. Two days fame. That's right. That's right. And I, I think it's amazing that he's a two-time preseason All-American, but he's probably the lowest drafted player on that list. And that, that list weighed much more heavily toward juniors than I think you would otherwise. I think the talent in the college ranks is at the, la- is at the freshman and sophomore levels. And you'll really see that. And, Connor, you worked a little bit with us on this as well. Well, not a little, a lot. On our top 50 by class, which is in the college preview issue, which will be online soon. Top 50 players, seniors, juniors, sophomores, and freshmen. And that's a combination of prospect status and, um, uh, and and what kind of player they are. I would say the prospect status measured in first and foremost at the junior and sophomore levels. And at freshman and senior, we measured a little bit – we factor in a little bit more what kind of you know, college player they're going to be. Because I think we want to acknowledge that there are going to be some guys who are fr- top freshmen in college who are going to be very productive college players. won't necessarily be – the greatest pros at the seniors. Those guys have already been to the draft. After the first five to ten guys, the rest of those guys, maybe the first fifteen or twenty guys, the rest of those guys are really who's the best contributor as a right. senior at the college level. So those aren't necessarily as pure prospect lists at the freshman and senior levels as they are at the junior and sophomore levels. So, yeah. so Bo, that's all in your Baseball America college preview issue. So I definitely encourage you to yeah, to pick one of those up. Going into that a little bit more, we were talking about how there's not a lot of big time college bats this year, but next year it's going to be great. It does look good at the top of the sophomores. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I think if Anthony Rendon were in this year's draft, he'd be up for being the number one overall pick. I think so, too. Not to mention, and he's up for being the number one overall pick next year. And uh, that's despite the fact that I think maybe he's not as loud of a talent as a Garrett Cole or some of their sophomores or even some of the uh, high school players in the class of 2011. Mm-hmm. But he's a college bat who's going to stay on the infield. That's just hard to find. Yeah. And when you're getting seeing the guy compared to Gordon Beckham, that that's to me pushes him to the front of any draft list. And any year, he's going to be a top 
ten pick, and Gordon Beckham was almost undervalued, really, and he went eighth. And that's just a great job by the White Sox to get that guy at eight. Sure. But that just tells you how good the rest of that 2008 college hitting class was. I mean, I think in most years, Gordon Beckham is the number one pick. On a co- he's the number one college player pick because it's just so rare to see a college hitter who also stays on the infield. Yep. Those just don't happen too yep. often. So, uh, Getting back to the high school class before we wrap this up a little bit, we're talking about high school hitters. There are some high school bats for this draft, yeah. uh, Connor. I mean, people like Manny Machado. Uh, people like your your guy, uh, Josh Sally. Josh Sally, yeah. So we have Chris Sale, S-A-L-E, on the college side. And we have Sally, S-A-L-E, on the high school side. Do you have, besides those guys, do you have a pick to click? We've got our almost 20-year-old Dominican Jordi Cabrera. He's probably the most fascinating guy yeah, out of all these. Yeah, it's an interesting story with him. And he can, you know, he can hit. You saw him hit a home run at the Under Armour game. But... Uh, who do you like? Who, who's your pick to click out of these guys? It could just be the obvious answer, Manny Machado. But I mean, like, who's the top high school hitter for uh, you? The top high school hitter for me is Josh Sally. Yeah. I mean, he, he's the best pure hitter. He's the best power hitter. Uh, hits from the left side. You know, he went off at area codes two years ago. Hit for the cycle. Um, hit a lot of impressive home runs this year. He's, just, yeah, he's, he's a beast. You know, I, I'm actually working on a story on him right now, and he was fascinating to talk to. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know. If you look at him, you might think he has a bad body, but he is very, very toned, very chiseled. His his dad is Samoan and was a, a former drug-free power lifter back in the oh, day. Oh, wow. You know, does all these workouts. And doesn't play football. Out. How about that? No, I'm sure. Actually, his coach in high school, George Monica at Bishop Blanchett, is, used to be the football coach there. So I don't know how he didn't talk him into playing football, too. Wow. But, uh, no, he, he's a physical specimen and can really put on a show with the bat. Um yeah, he's fun to watch. And the, the most interesting thing I, I learned from talking to him, and this kind of shows his athleticism and give away a, a interesting point that's going to be that's in the okay. article coming up. But that's that's what we do for our podcast. That's listeners. right. That's right. Um, is that he was a, a really good golfer okay. from the ages five to about fifteen. He was a single digit handicapped, and he actually golfed from the right side. Wow. He bats lefty. He, he's that always bad at lefty, but he you know he said he was seven years old at golf camp. That is wild. Was playing around with his friend's driver and drove the ball 200 yards right-handed, and they said, "Hey, you should." When uh, he was seven, go right-handed, yeah. He's something. So bitches. that's uh, that's really <laughs> impressive. Don't they hate those kind of guys? Yeah, yeah. Guys who just make it look easy. Does everything, and uh, you know, really gifted student too. He committed to Gonzaga because he liked, you know, the fact that the student or teacher student to teacher ratio is 13 to one. So he's a, he's a great kid going places, and he can really hit, which is. You know. I don't have to like those kind of guys. Guys who can hit and have their head on their shoulders. Yep. I, I like those kind of guys. But the other thing that always it seems like it happens more and more, you got a lot of sons of big leaguers. There's a sons lot. Sons of famous yeah. names. Now, Carson Whitson is not no. related to Ed. No. We determined that. you got Delano DeShields Jr. this year. Yeah. Um, Connor Naren. Connor Naren was another obvious one. I thought it was another obvious one. Oh, well, he's a pitcher, but uh, Bedrock's kid. Cameron Bedrosian. Sure. Kellen Sweeney's, Ryan Sweeney's brother. You got the Aunt Drew Sisko. Drew Sisko. Who's yeah. a grandson of a big leaguer and also has a brother who's in double A. That's right. Um, Yodi Cabrera's dad is uh, Basio Cabrera. Oh, okay. Tigers hitting coach. I did not know that. Yeah, Yodi Cabrera lives in Lakeland and basically wakes up every day and goes to hit at Tiger Town. So. At, uh, Joker, up around the game. at the Joker Marching Stadium. That's right. How is he not uh, Nathan Rohde's favorite player? <laughs> I don't that, know. That's a good question. How does that not happen? <laughs> I don't understand that. But, like, uh, to me, um, that, that that stuff runs two ways. Sometimes the Sons of Big League or something like they uh, 
they assimilate faster, they get around the game, but sometimes it seems like they have, like we hear with Andy LaRoche, the LaRoche brothers, is that they're almost a little too nonchalant. And they have yeah, a big you, league you attitude in high school and in college level. You, what, what's do. your take on it? Some do. Some of these I mean, I think it's, it depends on the player. Some will have that. Some will think like, oh, you know, I'm better than this. I'm above this. You know, I've seen certain, uh, you know, high school players that, that – Kind of big league, it right. looks like they big league their their high school opponents or their even their high school teammates. Or in a showcase environment where they're already yeah they're they already like, know which game I'm going to run this one out, but I'm not going to run that one out. That kind of stuff. Right, you do see that, but um, at the same time, and this came up, you know, when I was doing my my Tigers top thirty, talking about Alex Avila. But yeah, the big thing is that they know what to expect. You know, some of these kids are going to get to the minor leagues and they're going to be in a different world. They're not going to know what to do. Those kids are going to know what to do because they've grown up, you know, hanging out in big league clubhouses. They're going to know how to act. They're going to know what to expect on these road trips and things like that. I think it helps you more once you get into pro ball than it does when you're an amateur almost. I think it almost can work against you when you're an amateur because you almost feel like, wow, this is really not that big of a deal, you know. And it helps, I think, to think it's a big deal. I think it helps you play with more intensity and the – to, I mean, uh, to focus. Scouts definitely want, you know, they're looking for tools, but they want to see kids that are out there enjoying the it. game. That's right. That's you know, right. They, they don't want to invest this much money in a player that doesn't look like he likes what he's doing. You Absolutely. Know? Uh, what's the uh, what's your first, uh, now you and Nathan also tra- are planning like a high school trip down to, to Georgia, down to the Atlanta area, but what's the first high school games around here that you're going to get to see this spring? Oh, you know, actually Nathan's been uh, looking into the high school schedules more than I have at this point, okay. but I know we're going to try and you know, there's there's a lot of good players in North Carolina, and then um, you know some some good players in Virginia and Francisco's down there in uh, South Carolina. That's right. Real close to Charleston, so I think I'm going to take the wife down for a weekend in Charleston. Nice, that's a good idea. Should be good. Well, draft season's um, really already started. I mean, the small colleges, I mean, like uh, our top Division three, uh, or I should say NAIA prospect Drew Madrigal, his season already started uh, with Cal Baptist, I guess it is where he, I think he went like four for five in his first game, and he's really more of a prospect as a pitcher than he is as a, yeah. as a hitter. But uh, Harper's already started up. Chipola, did they start last weekend? Or they they start did. This they weekend? had the, the Gulf Coast tournament last weekend. So the junior colleges are in full swing, and uh, that's where the scouts are. The scouts are at Nevada, Southern Nevada and Chipola to start the year. Yep. And uh, those aren't the, obviously the only junior colleges. There's plenty of JC prospects in Texas as well this year. California. As usual, yeah. So... Um, not as many in the NWAACC this year. Oh, last down. year was a great year. A little down this year, I think. So, um, But the junior college baseball, between the other colleges, the high schools that will start up soon, we're already in full draft mode, Connor. So uh, your second year, <laughs> now you actually know go? the players. <laughs> now you actually know the players. You've seen the players yeah. uh, to start with as opposed to at the end when you know them. So I think it's going to make a lot more fun uh, for you. On I, that, I think on it that already has. It definitely feels that way. Last year... You know, felt like I was playing catch up all year and swimming upstream. That's right. Like a, you know, Pacific Northwest salmon. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, I'm looking forward. I, I can't wait till we do our first Gauntlet Eldo Meyer podcast. That's yeah. I think between him and Quintavious Drains, the closer at uh, I believe it's Jackson State. That's the those are the two candidates for me for best names in college baseball. I found a good name the other day. I like Quintavious Drains. Pretty sure Drains. he's at uh, Michigan State or no no Central Michigan. Maybe you'll know Drew Cornstubble. Oh yeah, no Dale Cornstubble. Dale He's Cornstubble. A he was That's a great the, name. I think he was the catcher on Homer High School, which set like the all-time record for uh, wins in high because I get a win in high school. Cornstubble. Well. That's right, Dale Cornstubble, which uh, I could make a beard joke about you, but <laughs> I, I won't. So uh, that's our that's our mascot for the winter here at Baseball America is uh, 
Connor's a beer, which we really should be putting updates on our Twitter page. I don't know why we haven't done that. It's going to be gone soon, to be honest. Is it really? Yeah, it's going to be gone a week from today. Oh, my goodness. Valentine's Day. Enjoy it while it lasts. We're going to get a picture of that up on our Twitter page. (laughs) at Twitter.com backslash Baseball America. And uh, if you have questions about baseball or about Connor's beard, you can send those into us at podcast at BaseballAmerica.com. So for Connor, I'm John. And when it comes to buying a baseball bat, DeMarini just changed the game. Introducing Demo House, where you can step into the cage and hit the latest from DeMarini before you buy, because there's no substitute for hitting a real baseball or talking to people who know both bats and batting. Your demo time in the cage is free, so get the season started right. Visit your nearest Demo House today. Locations and full details can be found at DeMarini.com backslash Demo House. So from the DeMarini Demo House podcast nook here at Baseball America, for Connor, I'm John. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.